house of the Lord this morning. The songs that we've chosen this morning give the Easter story. It's an old story, but it's a good story. So as we sing Living Hope, see if this applies to your heart and your life this morning. Uh, sing with me right here. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my has spoken, I am forgiven, the King of kings calls me his own, beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Raise your voice now. Oh, the promise your buried body began to move think about that out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on I'll sing that verse again then came the morning that sealed the
pray this morning that he is your living hope. And like I said when we started, Easter is an old story, but man, what a good story. And that's why we're here this morning. That's why we're here every Sunday morning is because of Easter. I grew up in church. Most of you know, I've, I've told you I've been going to church since nine months before I was born. And this is a story that changed my life. Growing up in the church, these next two songs were Easter. So sing with me as we sing. On a hill far away stood an So I'll cherish the old rugged cross until my trophies at last I lay down. Oh, I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange. Someday for a crown, and because he lives, I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is
Well, good morning and welcome to Harmony. We want to welcome those that are here in person. We want to welcome those that are online, wherever you're at, whatever is going on in your life. Today is the day that literally changes everything. You see, on Good Friday, we celebrate and reflect on the crucifixion of Jesus and how he gave his life for you and for me. But the reality is this, on that first Easter Sunday morning, when they came to the tomb, nobody expected to find nobody, right? And, and because that happened, that changes everything for you and for me. And it doesn't matter where we're at in life. It doesn't matter what the struggle is. doesn't matter what's in front of us or behind us. The empty tomb changes everything. And today we come together and we celebrate that. And I am thrilled that you're able to join us online, that you're able to join us here in person. We're going to have an incredible time together celebrating the resurrected Savior and what Easter is really all about. Well, I want to just give you a few things to think about uh, as you go throughout your week, and then we're going to kind of tell you exactly what we're doing today. Uh, we've got a lot of things coming up, uh, uh, lots of opportunities. Next Sunday, we're starting a, a series called The Book of Revelation, and we're just asking ourselves, in a world of chaos and uncertainty and all the things that are going on, how can the best 
be yet to be. And we're going to talk about that next Sunday morning because the best is yet to be. And, and the reality is, is this, the resurrection of Christ changes everything. So next Sunday morning, we're kicking off a series, the book of Revelation, the best is yet to be. And the best is yet to be because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've got a man church event coming up with, with Rick Burgess and, and his ministry on Friday evening, 6.15, the doors open. All the men are invited to be a part of that. We want you to, to think about that. There's other opportunities that are taking place here at Harmony. And the reason we do those, the reason we have ministries, the reason that, that we do all that we do is because we believe that Jesus is the, the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the answer, and that he is your hope and my hope. So today, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, and we look forward uh, to all that, he had, that he's going to do because all that he has already done at this time if you've got a seat that's open next to you if you've got some family that you can close the gap with i would encourage you to kind of squeeze towards the center if at all possible uh, so that we can let those that are still on their way in and those that need to find a seat be able to find a seat ushers we do have uh, as always the front row has uh, some openings and i and i'm not sure why the front row by me always has an opening even uh, today uh, but uh, i i just i'm just going to tell you i think jesus gives you extra points if you sit next to the pastor on the front row on Easter Sunday, right? I'm just saying, you want extra reward in heaven, you'll get them today by doing that. You can come on down right over here. Aren't you glad that we can laugh and have a good time in church and celebrate who Jesus is? Uh, thankful for that reality. Well, today we come together to celebrate Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we've got a very special guest with us today. Even though Dr. Paul Pitts has performed for millions of people all over the world. His heart continues to share the good news of salvation to a lost world. He does that through the presentation of the scribe. The St. Peter, Petersburg Times quotes Paul as saying, if I can touch someone's heart with the love of God, I will have lived out my purpose for living. Ladies and gentlemen, we present to you at this time the scribe. Andronicus Capito. My name Andronicus means the conqueror. My father, Gaius, served in the Roman Senate under the great emperors Augustus and Tiberius. My father was a wealthy man and provided well for our family. He was a good man and taught me well. I was educated in the best schools in Rome and was on my way to great success in Roman society. At the age of 20, I became an officer in the Italian band, a group of elite soldiers from the heart of the Roman Empire. I worked hard, learned quickly, and moved fast through the ranks. By the time I was 25, I was commander over 100 soldiers. I was now a centurion I fought alongside the great generals of my time and had many victories for Rome. I was well on my way to having my name etched in the archives beside the names of the men who had made the empire what it was. 
then came an assignment that would change my life and my destiny. The emperor and the senate were concerned about rumors of rebellions. They had heard of these religious zealots that were possibly an uncalculated threat and wanted to find out if this was truly a valid threat or just rumors. There was a need for educated, well-respected soldiers to go to the far reaches of Rome to study and report on the religious happenings in the territories. My father, wanting to remove me from the confrontations on the war front, had me dispatched to a tiny country on the eastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea, the country of Palestine. For a while, I despised my father for this. I was a warrior. I belonged on the battlefield with my men. Besides, there was no advancing my career by taking this assignment. In fact, this was more like a step backward. But as much as I wanted to fight this decision, there was no changing my father's mind. The orders were given, and I was soon headed for Palestine and for Jerusalem. And now I, Andronicus, conqueror, centurion, was to be nothing more than a scribe. As I arrived in Jerusalem, I first went to see Pontius Pilate, the Roman ruler of old Judea. I showed him my orders from Tiberius Caesar, dispatching me to investigate and to report on these rumors of religious uprisings. I asked Pilate to give me the names of any dangerous religious leaders in Judea, and he quickly said, the man you want to find is called John the Baptist. Pilate told me that this John was not the average religious leader. He had the reputation of being a crazy man who lived in the wilderness, wore animal skins, and ate locusts and honey. People say that he keeps on preaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Pilate said the religious leaders were afraid to do anything to him because his followers believed that he was a great prophet sent from God who will introduce their Messiah. Ah, yes, this John the Baptist. He sounded like the best place to start. How I wish the emperor would have given me just a few of my soldiers. We could have put down all these zealots in one campaign. Instead, all he gave me was just this scroll and a pen. I began my search, and in just a few days, I found this one they call John the Baptist. He was near the Jordan River, preaching on a hillside to a couple of hundred people. He spoke with the boldness of a Roman general, but with the clarity of a Greek philosopher. He kept saying that people should repent of their sins. I watched as he baptized many of them in the Jordan River. But then it happened. A man came walking over the hillside and continued straight down toward the river. I'll never forget what John said that day when he saw him. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. The stranger waded into the water for John to baptize him. But John resisted him, 
saying that this stranger should be baptizing John. The man must have insisted because John proceeded to baptize him. I asked some of the people near me, who is this man? And they said, we're not sure, but we think he's from Galilee. As John was raising him back up out of the water, almost on cue, the clouds quickly parted and the sunlight shone brilliantly. Then we all heard this deafening voice from the sky which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. At the same moment, I saw a white image float down like a dove and rest upon this stranger. I know, you don't believe me, do you? But I was there, I saw it happen. All the crowd was stunned. Then they converged on the riverbank and before I knew it, he was gone. Who was this man? Was that the voice of God I heard? I had to find this stranger from Galilee. I stood there for a few moments, not even sure of what I had just seen was real. I began asking some of the others around me about this stranger from Galilee. I heard someone say the name Jesus. Just the mention of his name seemed to bring peace to my soul. I rehearsed it to myself several times. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I had to know more about this man. As I turned to leave, my attention was drawn to one of the men standing near me. He was a dingy, dirty-looking man, but he had the most joyous look on his face that I had ever seen. Something drew me to him. I asked him, why do you look so happy? He looked off in the distance and a tear ran down his face. I thought that I had upset him, so I began to walk away, but he grabbed me by the arm and said, let me tell you my story about Jesus. He knew of Jesus. I was immediately drawn into what he had to say. He looked me right in the eyes and told me this very story. It was about 30 years ago on a cold winter's night. I was a small boy at the time working in the fields just outside of Bethlehem, tending to my father's sheep with some of his hired servants. The cold winter air brushed on my skin as the stars were twinkling above. All of a sudden, there was a bright light that came shining from the sky above. I quickly brought out my arm up in front of my face to keep the light from blinding my eyes. As I peered around my arm, I saw what seemed to be an angel. His face was glowing, and he was wrapped in a beautiful white linen. Naturally, I was frightened at this strange figure. Even the other shepherds fell back in fear. Everything was calm and still. And then he spoke. The air seemed to halt at the mighty sound of the angel's voice as he proclaimed, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The next sight was something truly amazing. 
a great host of angels appeared in the sky. Their faces were filled with joy as they announced their message in song. They sang with the most beautiful voices that any man has ever heard. Their song was glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And they sang it over and over. The beauty of it all was indescribable. After they had withdrawn back into the night, I turned to another shepherd and said to him, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. We hurried away and eventually we found Mary, Joseph, and the baby who was lying in a manger. They told us that his name was his eyes sparkled in the night sky, his skin so smooth and soft. I knew at that moment, this is the Savior, the Messiah, who would soon change the world. After some time, the other shepherds ran off, shouting with joy and telling the whole city what was happening. There were men there in that stable that looked to be kings, they had brought gifts of gold and of precious perfumes, but I had nothing. I was disappointed. I looked down at my hands, and I realized I had brought my harp with me, and an idea popped into my head. Quickly, I brought it up and started playing a soft melody. I think it brought a smile to the newborn baby's face. Once I finished playing, I just sat there looking into Jesus' beautiful face. It was at that moment that I truly realized that God had come to man. Holiness had come to us on that night. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will someday walk on? Water. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your baby, you've kissed the face of God. Mary, did you know? The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead 
if I can. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak. Praises to the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will someday rule our nation? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect land? This sleeping child you're holding is the great Not many days later, we had made our way to Jerusalem, the epicenter for the religious activity in this land. Jesus had found his way to their temple and was teaching the people. As he was teaching, a group of the religious elite, the Pharisees, interrupted the teaching, carrying with them a woman that had obviously been beaten. They placed themselves between Jesus and the crowd threw the woman on the ground and began yelling at Jesus. They were almost in a frenzy. At first, I thought they were going to kill the woman, but it wasn't anger. It was almost excitement. After they finally calmed down, they began to explain why they were there. They started telling the story of this woman. They told of how they had found her with a man that was not her husband. She was in a Adulteress. I wondered immediately where the man was and how this group of men knew of this act. But my attention was quickly turned back to the situation at hand when these religious men said that the law of Moses required that she be put to death by stoning. That was a brutal way to die. I had seen men stoned to death on the battlefield by soldiers. But these men were not soldiers, yet their joy was almost uncontainable. After they said that the law of Moses required that she be stoned, they asked Jesus, What do you think we should do with her? Everything went quiet. All eyes were on Jesus. Everyone knew that Jesus would never want this woman to be put to death. But how could it possibly be avoided? The Pharisees stood there with these pious looks on their faces as if to say, we've got you now. It was at that point that I realized they were there to kill someone, but it wasn't this woman. They were after Jesus. They could smell the blood in the water and they were ready to pounce. The people were scared, but in my own heart, I was angry. These men did not intimidate me, and I was ready to defend Jesus with my sword. I knew that Jesus was a strong, intelligent man. That was obvious to everyone who spent any time around him. I expected him to begin to explain to them why she should not be put to death or stand up to them. 
in defense of this woman and fight for her life. But he didn't do either one of those things. In fact, he acted as if they weren't even there. He knelt down and began writing in the dirt. From where I was, I couldn't read what he was writing, but it must have been arresting for them because as he wrote, the faces of the accusers began to change. One by one, their countenances went from anticipation to embarrassment to fear. Jesus finally stood back up and broke the silence by saying, Whichever one of you that is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. They stood there in disbelief. As they were standing there, Jesus knelt down again and continued writing in the dirt. I wanted so badly to see what he was writing. I began to make my way through the crowd. And as I began to make my way, something strange happened that stopped me in my tracks. These religious men who were viewed as the most intelligent, the most righteous men in the land, began to leave. It was as though they themselves had been caught in the act of some great sin. Once they were gone, Jesus stood up and asked the woman where her accusers were and if any man had condemned her. And she answered him, no man, Lord. Then Jesus did something that I will never forget. He forgave her. He said to her, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Her countenance changed. It was like someone had lifted a heavy burden off of her shoulders, where just a few moments earlier, she had a look of desperation and confusion on her face. Now she had a look of contentment and of peace. For a short moment, I found myself somewhat envious of what she had been given. She stood there for what seemed to be an hour. Tears of appreciation and joy rolling down her cheeks. She told Jesus, thank you, and backed away. As she passed by me, I heard her telling everyone that would listen, he has forgiven me. I know what it's like to think of things I've done and want to run and hide my head in shame. I know what it's like to really hurt someone and feel no sense of sorrow at their pain. I know what it's like 
to have enough of my disgrace and find because of Jesus' blood my sins can be erased. He has forgiven me. My sins have been washed from his memory by the blood of the Lamb of Calvary. He has forgiven me. Do you know what it's like for God to be your friend, to talk to him with nothing in between? Do you know what it's like to come to the end of the day and sleep in peace because your heart is clean. Do you know what it's like when the accuser comes your way to look him squarely in the eyes with confidence and say, sins have been washed from his memory by the blood of the Lamb of Calvary. He has forgiven me. He My sins have been washed from his memory by the blood of the Lamb of Calvary. He has
I was in the boat with the disciples the night that the storm that Peter called the worst storm I've ever seen hit the Sea of Galilee. I have never seen a body of water behave that violently. We were all scared. In fact, I've never been so scared in my life. I thought I was going to die. At some point, Jesus, who had been asleep of all things, stood up and rebuked the storm. He simply said, Peace, be still. The storm disappeared immediately. The water became as glass, and there was not a breath of wind. I had never seen anything like it in my life. It was as though he had command over nature itself. He then asked his disciples a question that has stuck with me for my whole life. He asked them, where's your feet? I sat there pondering that question for what seemed like hours. At daybreak, we were approaching the shoreline of the area of the gatherings. I was still thinking about his question when I heard a terrible noise. It sounded like the storms of war. Instinctively, I drew my sword, preparing for a battle, and made sure that I was the first one out of the boat. As I got out of the boat, I noticed that the noise was getting closer. I thought to myself, Andronicus, if you're going to die, it might as well be defending a man that can calm storms. I noticed a single man running toward us, and unbelievably, all of that noise was coming from this one man. He was nearly naked. He had chains wrapped about him as though he had been restrained but had broken free. He was scarred all over his body. As he continued shouting, it sounded like a thousand people were screaming and shouting, and it was all coming from this one man. There was obviously something wrong with this man. I had witnessed many crazy people on the battlefield, but I had never seen anything like him. As he continued toward us, all of that noise went away, and all of those voices seemed to come together in one voice as he said, Jesus, what do I have to do with thee? And he screamed, torment me not. Before I realized that he was laying at the feet of Jesus, seemingly worshiping him, he was all so strange. Jesus asked him his name, Legion for we are many, was his response. It was all sort of starting to make sense. Jesus said that he was possessed by demons or devils. The devils then asked Jesus to send him into the pigs up the hill, and somehow Jesus made that happen. The demons went into the pigs. The pigs ran down the hill into the sea. Immediately the man was changed. He asked for clothes to cover himself with. People around offered garments to him. I even gave him my cloak. He sat at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. He was at peace. The war that had been raging inside of him was now over. He was a new man. In the days, months, and years following that day, I told that story time and time again. Few believed me, but that day made a tremendous impact on me. As we boarded the ship to sail back to Capernaum, I thought much about what we had witnessed in the last few hours. Jesus had calmed the storm on the sea and the storm in his soul. It was a beautiful Sunday morning in Jerusalem. I woke as the dawn broke through the windows of my little upstairs room. 
when I washed and went down to eat breakfast, something seemed different this morning. Every person I saw seemed to have a glow of happiness around their face. I sensed a feeling of celebration in the air. People were running around, smiling at each other, saying things like, I thought this day would never come. If they sensed that I was listening, they would quickly turn away and walk off as if they were protecting a secret. I saw others gathering palm branches and stacking them alongside the road. Children were running around laughing and playing while the adults huddled in groups talking. I watched this go on all morning and I couldn't take it anymore. I had to know what was happening. So I asked the innkeeper, what's the big secret? What's going on today? He looked up and said, oh yes, I suppose a Roman centurion would not have heard of Daniel's prophecy. Centuries ago, God told Daniel that our Messiah would be revealed exactly 483 years after Nehemiah was sent to rebuild these walls. We have been counting down the years, the months, and the days for generations. Andronicus, today is the day we believe our Messiah is coming today. I walked away stunned by what he said. Could this be true? All of Israel would surely revolt under the leadership of a divine ruler. Even the armies of Rome would be no match for God. It was now almost the sixth hour and the sun was at its height in the sky when I heard someone shout, he's coming from the east. There were no more secrets now. It seemed like the whole city ran toward the eastern gate. By the time I got there, throngs of people had lined the road and were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. I saw others laying their coats and palm branches in the roadway, while others cried out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Everyone acted like he was a conqueror or a king. As the crowds drew near and pressed upon me now, I strained to see their Messiah. The adulation of a nation was all around me, and for the first time, nobody even cared who I was. It was all about him. Fighting the crowd, I could only see broken glimpses of him, but what I could barely make out surprised me. I saw a man, but he was riding on a donkey as he was just about to pass by me, my feet seemed fastened to the ground. He turned his head just then and looked right at me with those familiar eyes. Oh yes, I recognized their king. He was Jesus. It had only been a couple of days, but the mood of the city had changed dramatically. There was no more praise of Jesus as Messiah. There was almost a sense of disappointment. I heard one man say, Jesus is not the Messiah. The Messiah is supposed to be a conqueror of Rome. The religious rulers were secretly trying to form alliances to have Jesus arrested and put to death. I will never forget the morning that I was awakened to the shouts of the people on the streets of Jerusalem. I thought they were shouting at a murderer. I leaped from my bed, got dressed, ran outside to see what the commotion was about. As I stepped around the corner, I saw Jesus. Apparently, 
During the night, Jesus had been arrested by Caiaphas, the high priest. They had beaten him all night long, and now he was on his way to see Pilate to be tried by the Roman government. I followed the crowd to Pilate's hall. Because of my position and my relationship with Pilate, I was allowed into the hall. Pilate questioned Jesus over and over, but Jesus offered no defense for himself. Finally, Pilate went back before the people and declared unto them, I find no fault in him. That did not sit well with the people. It only made them more angry. Pilate asked if they wanted him to release Jesus or Barabbas. And the people said, Barabbas, a convicted thief, a liar, an insurrectionist, and a murderer. Pilate was obviously confused. In order to appease the people, Pilate had Jesus beaten again. The soldiers formed a mock crown of thorns and put it on his head. As he stood before Pilate once again, Pilate said to the people, Behold the man! At first I did not understand what the people were screaming, but after a couple of seconds it became clear what they were saying. They were shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! I couldn't believe what had happened. It was almost like it was a dream. Jesus, a man that I had grown to admire and appreciate, was hanging on a Roman cross. I made my way to the foot of the cross. He looked terrible. In fact, had I not seen him get whipped myself, I would not have recognized him. The crowd was massive. These people who only a few days earlier had been singing the praise of Jesus were now cheering his crucifixion. The crucifixion of an innocent man. Pilate himself admitted that Jesus was innocent. I believe that the Pharisees even knew it, but they didn't care. They just wanted him gone, and they didn't have the guts to do it themselves. It wasn't enough that they had beaten him beyond recognition. Now, as he was hanging there on the cross, they began harassing him, saying things like, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Others said, if thou art the Messiah, come down from the cross. I was enraged. I was on the verge of using my sword. When Jesus spoke, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What? I had heard him offer forgiveness to those who had been sick. I had seen him offer forgiveness to the adulterous woman, but this was different. How could he forgive these people? How could he forgive my government that beat him and nailed him to a cross? I simply did not understand. midday something very strange took place the land became as dark as night there was no sun no moon no stars in the sky it was as though God himself had snuffed out the lights it stayed that way for three hours following the darkness Jesus cried out hello Eve 
Jesus is empty. Never have I seen such a pathetic excuse for soldiers in all my days. All they had to do was to guard a dead man's tomb. Some say the fishermen overpowered the squad of armed Roman soldiers and stole the body of Jesus. That is ridiculous. I know Peter, James, John, and all the rest. They wouldn't stand a chance against three trained soldiers much less a whole squad, that didn't happen. Others are whining that the enemies of Jesus stole the body, but there's no logic to that, and they still had to get past the guards. A rumor's going around the city that an angel knocked out the squad of arms, Roman soldiers and stole the body of Jesus. That is ridiculous. Jesus could have never survived. I saw him die. I've seen lots of men die. And he was dead. I had to find out what really happened. When the captain heard that I was coming to talk with him, I'm sure that he knew that his career, if not his life, was on the line. I made him tell me what happened from start to finish, five times. And every time he told the story, it never changed, no matter how much pressure I applied. I couldn't believe what he was saying. He said that he was finishing his watch with the other guards on duty just before dawn when there was a great earthquake. He saw the angel or something in bright apparel and a glowing face, and that was the last thing that he saw. He said that he must have blacked out. When he awoke, he saw the stone at the entrance of the tomb had been rolled away. He looked inside and saw the grave clothes that had been wrapped tightly around the dead body of Jesus. They were completely undisturbed, as if the body of Jesus just disappeared. I said to the captain, you know the penalty for going to sleep while on duty and even more allowing such defiance of the Roman Empire to take place. Why are you even still alive? And this is what he said. We reported back to the high priest who sent us to guard the tomb, and I told him what I just told you. I knew that my commander would have me killed. The priest gave us a lot of money and told us to never tell the real story. 
And in exchange, they would convince our commander to leave us alone. So that's what we did. A chill went down my spine. I believed the captain was telling the truth. I remembered hearing Jesus say weeks ago that he would be crucified by wicked men, but that he had the power to take up his life again. Only God had that kind of power. I walked away in a daze thinking, I have been walking with the Son of God for the last three years. I fell on my knees and cried out, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on a cross for me. I believe that you arose with power to forgive me of all my sins. Please forgive me of all my sins. I'm trusting you to take me to heaven. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a line that's been drawn through the ages. On that line stands an old rugged cross. On that cross, a battle is raging for the gain of men's souls for its loss. On one side march the forces of evil, all the demons and the devils of hell. On the other, the angels of glory, and they meet on Golgotha's hill. The earth shakes with the force of the conflict and the sun refuses to shine. For there hangs God's sun in the balance and then the darkness he cries it is finished the battle is over it is finished there'll be no more war it is finished the end of the conflict, it is finished, and Jesus is Lord. 
Yet in my heart a battle was raging. Not all prisoners of war had come home. They were battlefields of my own making. You see, I didn't know that the war had been won. Then I heard that the king of the ages had fought all my battles for me. And victory was mine for the claiming. And now, praise his name, I am free. It is finished. The battle is over. It is finished. There'll be no more war. It is finished, the end of the conflict. It is finished, and Jesus is Lord. It is finished. And Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Everyone bow your head and close your eyes, if you would, please. I'm thinking that there may be somebody here today that has not trusted Christ as your Savior. We want to give you that opportunity. I prayed a very simple prayer just a moment ago. And I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer with me today. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that's how you're saved. Remember the thief on the cross. All he had was that he believed that the man on the middle cross was the Son of God. And the man on the middle cross said, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. Pray with me today, would you? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on a cross for me. I 
believe that you arose with power to forgive me of all my sin. Please forgive me of all my sin. I'm trusting you to take me to heaven. Thank you for saving me. And all God's people said, Thank you for having us today. Thank you, Pastor. While you're coming, I'm just going to say just a few words about uh, what's happened to us in the last year and a half. Because of our performances of the scribe at the National Religious Broadcasters in Nashville, Tennessee, we had a man that walked in and saw the scribe. He was the owner of um, HBO, ESPN, and on and on and on a lot of these networks that go global. He said, I have one more left. Would you like to have it? Jonathan Goodwin, he's here today. He called Jonathan and said, would you like to have it? And Jonathan said, why us? We don't have millions of fans or millions of dollars. Why us? And the man said, I've never seen a presentation of the gospel that would hold the attention of a 70-year-old and a 7-year-old at the same time. Would you like to have it? A lot of people got involved in the Scribe TV and still are. But we now have what is the Scribe TV, which is a global television network. We go to every corner of the world. It's like being a missionary from your living room. And you can participate with us in sending the gospel around the world. And you can have a part in watching it. It's absolutely free. If you want to help us send it, there's a place there where you can donate, but you don't have to. It's absolutely free. And the reason we made that is because we are after lost people, not the church. We want the church to enjoy it, absolutely. But people who do not know what their creator has done for them can find out on the Scribe TV. You, we have cards in the back, and the ushers will have those cards in their hand, and as you go out the door, they will give you one of those cards. It has a QR code. You can find our network on your telephone, on your television, if you have a smart television. A lot of people have a smart television, but, but, the, but the operators are not too smart. You know what I'm saying? I'm not looking at you for any particular reason, John. Okay. It's just, right. It just came to me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, if you have a smart, uh, we are on all the servers, Android, uh, Roku, uh, what some of the others, help me out, uh, 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 Fire TV, Android, all of those servers, the Scribe TV is available on all those servers. You can get it on your smart TV. And um, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for taking a chance on us, Brother John. I hope you weren't disappointed. Absolutely. We it's love been awesome. Let, thank let, let's you. Let, it, it has been absolutely awesome. I would like for you to greet my wife back there. She's running sound, Annette. The lady that's running the light, don't sit down. 
stand up. Her name is Ashley, and she is she's very, very shy. I can relate. Um, but she ran uh, the follow spot, did a great job. Dave ran the overheads. I don't know who else to mention, but all of you that helped us, uh, I just want to thank them all. God bless you all. Hope we can come back and share with you again. God bless you. God bless you, John. God bless you. Thank you. Well, today, we've had a, an incredible time, and, and I hope that today, if you're one that said, look, I've never trusted Christ before, but I want to know more about Jesus, and I want to give my life to him, today on your way out, we have an, a, a book that we would love to, to give you, and, and we're just going to hand it to you on your way out, and it's just entitled The Difference Maker, and it's using your life to make an impact each and every day, and you can learn more about Christ, who he is, and all that he has for you. Well, our band is going to come. They're going to lead us in one more song as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and who he is, and then we will be closed uh, in prayer. But let's all stand, and uh, we're going to sing one last song today, and uh, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. It's an old story, right? It's a good story, right? That same power that we saw in Jesus and his resurrection, that same power is available to you today. So that's why this story is so important, because that same power lives in us. Sing out as we sing, and think about these words, how they apply to your life. I can see the waters raging at my feet. I can feel the breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road. I can face every fear of the unknown. I can hear all God's children singing out. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave. The same power that commands the dead to wake lives in
praise this morning. I'll tell you what, I'm thankful for all that God has done, and I'm thankful for Easter and the celebration. I'm going to ask Dan Knoll to make his way up here. He's going to grab a microphone and close us in prayer. You may not believe it, but Dan Knoll and Dr. Pitts went to college together. Dan was there. He was a, a senior in his fifth year. <laughs> Dr. Pitts graduated from high school and elementary, and they, they, they sent him on to college then. I'm just kidding. I was, I was on the seven-year plan. You were on the seven-year plan. They have been lifelong friends. He called me back in January, said there's an opportunity for Palm Sunday, and then it switched to Easter Sunday. He said, you know, you may not be into Easter Sunday. You, you pastors kind of like Easter and preaching because it's the one sure opportunity a year that you preach to a full house. And I said, you know what, it's not about me, it's not about what I'm planning on doing that day, it's about Jesus Christ and his kingdom and advancing it. And we said, come on, Dr. Pitts, and he's done an absolutely phenomenal job. So today, on your way out, if you'd like to bless Dr. Pitts, if you'd like to give in an offering here to Harmony, there's offering boxes located at the exits. Uh, if, if you would like to give above and beyond, please do so. We'll make certain that it, that it gets to Dr. Pitts. If you're here today and you're a guest, I want to thank you for being here. We have a gift that we would love to send home to you, uh, send home with you. And if you would stop at the Connection Center on your way out, I'd love the opportunity to meet you. And just say thank you for being here and being a part of our service. I know that a lot of times when we close in prayer, uh, everybody starts moving different things around. And, and today you got the day off. You don't have to move chairs. You don't have to do anything. Just enjoy one another. Uh, take your time and uh, celebrate Easter. And remember, there's lots of opportunities uh, that are coming in the next few weeks. A ladies event, you can get more information back over here in this corner for a ladies uh, brunch that celebrates Mother Days. Men's event coming up next Friday evening. Doors open at 615. Brian Gunn with the Man Church and Burgess Ministries is going to be our guest. And next Sunday, we kick off a series entitled Revelation, The Best is Yet to Be. And it's hard to believe in a world of chaos that we can know for certain that the best is yet to be. But this day changes everything. And because Jesus is risen from the grave, the best is yet to be. I want to thank you for being here, being a part of our service today. Dan, would you close us in prayer? Well, first of all, look at everybody that's here. Just come back next week and hear him preach. You know, that way he won't feel so bad. <laughs> but, Lord, thank you for the blessings today. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope 
with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I wanna encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.